Welcome to the Scotts Hill Podcast, Tuesday Theology Edition. At Scotts Hill, one of our core values is studying God's Word. So on Tuesday nights, our pastors teach a class focused on topics within systematic theology. They do this to equip our people with the right knowledge of God. This podcast is a recording of that teaching session. Enjoy! Let's go ahead and pray, and then we will, we will get started. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you that we have the opportunity to gather here and to study uh, theology. We, we thank you that you have uh, given us revelation, your word, uh, that helps us to understand the, the realities that are going on around us. And tonight, as we think about angels and demons and Satan, Lord, I pray uh, that, you would, um, that you would help us to think clearly and accurately and that we would be able to appropriately understand uh, these beings that you have made. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, we're in chapter 10, uh, Angels, Satan, and Demons. And um, as we kind of get started, we're, we're going to begin with just the, the question, what, what are angels? And um, as, we, as we think about that, we recognize um, that angels are created beings. Oh, there we go. I've got this new clicker thing, um, but I forget to push the button. Uh, and then I've got Eric up there that saves the day. So thank you, Eric, for pushing the button. Um, I'm going to try and get, get used to this. So they are created spiritual beings with moral judgment and high intelligence, but without physical bodies, right? So this is an important thing for us to remember as it relates to, uh, to angels and to, to everything except for God. We've talked about God uh, being the only uncreated being in the universe, uh, and as such, he's the only one that deserves our worship and our adoration and our prayer uh, and our praise. And he's the only one that can answer prayer. He's the only one uh, to whom our allegiance is due. And so whenever we think about angels, we recognize that they are created spiritual beings. That's the very first thing that we have to uh, recognize about them. Um, we also recognize uh, that they are created spiritual beings. They're created spiritual beings. Um, we see this in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, You alone uh, are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. Again, he's talking about the Lord. Psalm 148, 2 and 5 says, Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For at his command, they were created. So we see that these were created spiritual beings. Not only that, we see that they uh, use moral judgment. They use moral judgment. Second Peter 2, 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, which shows that they have a moral capacity, they had the capacity to choose good and evil, um, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. Not only are they spiritual, not only do they have the ability to make moral judgments, but they are also uh, intelligent. They have intelligence um, just in the ability to, to think and to communicate. Uh, in Matthew 28, 5, that's not, yeah, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. So they're able to communicate uh, with people. Uh, they are, they, they have intelligence. Uh, we also know that they are normally invisible unless embodied for a specific task. So angels are normally invisible, right? So we've said that even in the definition, they're without physical bodies, um, except 
four specific tasks. Uh, we see Luke 24, 39. Look at my hands and my feet. Uh, it is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. We also see this in 2 Kings uh, 6. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. While they were present in reality, so the angels were present on the hills, uh, they were not visible to the human eye. We also see in Luke 2, 13, suddenly a company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. So they were there, multitude of angels were present. They just were not perceived. They weren't seen by the human eye. We also see that in, uh, in scripture, there are other names for angels. There are other names for angels. So we do see uh, in Job chapter one, verse six, one day the angels, uh, the, the, the name is the sons of God, uh, came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. Psalm 89, seven, uh, in the council of the holy ones, uh, God is greatly feared. And Hebrews 1, 14, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So all these names, um, they are, they are um, identifying angels as well. We see a couple of more examples of that in Daniel chapter 4. Uh, we see that the word watcher is used. In Colossians uh, chapter 1, uh, rulers and authorities, visible and invisible. Uh, in Ephesians uh, 121, power um, and authority. So we have all these different names that are given for angels other than angel. So whenever we see it in scripture, it may be something that we don't anticipate seeing. Uh, we may be looking for angel, but we can see that as we do that study that we talked about hermeneutics and exegesis, uh, we can see that uh, as we study context of passages that the things that the writer is talking about could very well be uh, created beings with moral judgment, high intelligence, but without physical bodies. Uh, we also see um, that there are that there are other kinds of heavenly beings that exist in Scripture. There are other kinds that exist. Now, these, as we learn, they could be angels, um, but at the very least, we know that they are created. Um, spiritual beings with some ability to do something, right? Uh, one is the cherubim. We see that in Genesis. Uh, after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And then Psalm 18, uh, he mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. We also see another a uh, creature in scripture, and this one is only uh, identified once, and that's in Isaiah chapter six, uh, and that is the seraphim. And we see uh, above him were the seraphim, each with six wings, and they were flying. Um, they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So we see these two. We also see that as we've studied in Revelation and in Ezekiel, that there are, there's a, a classification of spiritual being uh, that is called the living creatures, right? So we don't see these. I, don't, I mean, we see living creatures. You guys are all living creatures, but we don't see the living creatures as identified in Scripture. Uh, they had six wings that were covered with eyes all around, even under its wings day and night. They never stopped saying, 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We also see in Scripture uh, that there, are, there is rank and there is order among the angels. There's rank and order among the angels. Uh, we see this as we see some named, and we also see as we have positions or titles given to specific angels. We see this in Jude chapter uh, 1, verse 9. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you. And then we also see in Daniel 10, uh, Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So we at least have some identification that there are angels that have rank uh, and that there is a particular order in the angelic host, in the angelic host. Um, one also thing that we learn about angels is that they are only in one place at a time. Uh, they're only in one place at a time. So angels are not om, uh, omnipresent. So whenever we think about angels, we recognize that they are, they are only in one place at one time because there's only one being in the universe that is omnipresent, and that's God, okay? Uh, this helps us even as we think about uh, later when we think about demons and Satan, that they are, they are confined to be in one place at one time. They can't be everywhere at once. Um, here's a question for you guys. How many angels are there? How many is that? A whole bunch. That's right. Yeah, we have a couple of indications um, in, uh, in a few passages of Scripture. So Deuteronomy chapter 33, uh, there, is a, there is an indication there um, as it relates to, to just, you know, angels. Um, it says... Uh, Chapter 33, verse 2, uh, he said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned upon Seir upon us. Uh, he shone forth from Mount Paran. He came with the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. So we know there's at least ten thousands. Uh, whenever you look in Revelation, we've seen that there are innumerable angels. Uh, so that whenever we think about that, it isn't to draw our attention to worship them, as we'll learn, um, but it is an understanding that there are uh, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels that are doing all the things that God has designed them to do. Uh, so there are thousands upon thousands, um, myriads upon myriads, a lot, innumerable, uncountable. Um, the only one that knows how many angels there are, we could say this, is God, right? because he created each and every one, just like he creates each and every individual person, just like he creates each and individual star and planet, um, and he knows exactly where they are, and he knows exactly how many there are, uh, and not one of them escapes his notice. Now, here's a question that oftentimes uh, people ask. Do people have individual guardian angels? Um, the writers of our book say it is uncertain whether angels are assigned to individuals, so, you know, uh, does Christina have a guardian angel or two? Does, does Adam have one or two that's watching him whenever he's driving down the road? Does Junior have a couple of guardian angels to, to make sure that he's, he's safe and secure and, and protected? Well, we don't know exactly if that's the case, um, but angels in general have the task of protecting God's people. So we could say if, if their general uh, life, if their general life is dealing with, in some way, protecting God's people, whether we have a, a certain 
a guardian angel or not, we can say that there are angels guarding us, right? So uh, we could say that as a true statement. So it wouldn't say, here's your guardian angel, but we could say that there are certainly angels guarding and defending um, God's people. We see this in a couple of passages in the Old Testament and then also uh, some in the New Testament. Um, the one in Psalm 91, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, for they will lift, up, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Um, we see in Matthew 18, uh, see that you do not despise one of the, these little ones, for I tell you uh, that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. And in Acts 12, you are out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. Um, We also see the power of angels. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Um, And then also there's uh, this passage in Matthew 28. You see the one in Colossians 1, um, but Matthew 28, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now that is a powerful a being. If whenever this being um, comes down from heaven, there is a violent earthquake. Now, whenever we see angels popularly depicted, what do you see? What is, your, what is the normal angel that you see? What's that? A fat little baby right? That doesn't look like it's going to create any earthquakes, does it? No, that little thing comes in, everybody, oh, that's a cute angel. But in reality, whenever we see angels, what is people's typical response? Fear, right? They fall down on their faces as though dead. Or we see angels with swords of flaming fire. I mean, that's, whenever we think about protection, I don't want a little, uh, the, the, the fat baby protecting me, right? I want, I want the flaming sword and the fire and the, and the earthquake um, that is protecting and guarding, um, guarding God's people. So that's an Im- important, as you said, as we think about angels and we think about popular culture, how easy it is for us to get caught up in uh, misunderstanding scripture and not being able to um, rightly uh, identify and give God praise uh, for um, what he has done. We also see uh, with the power of angels um, in Revelation chapter 12, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. Now these, these angels appear to be even stronger than evil, right? So as we will talk about later, they are stronger than the evil one. As Michael and his archangels or his angels fought against the dragon, the dragon was not strong enough uh, to withstand the, the power of the angels. And then we see in uh, Revelation 20, one through three, I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. So this angel, this one doesn't even have a name, right? So we see Michael fighting against uh, the enemy, but this one is even an unnamed angel that has the power to bind Satan and to put him into the abyss. So we see that even those, as we think about the rank and order, even those that aren't the 
the, I guess the, the premier angel. I don't know uh, how you would actually even identify that, but he's not the top level angel. Um, again, I, I, we don't have scripture that really gives the actual levels of angels, but um, he doesn't have a name and yet he is still powerful. He's still powerful enough to bind Satan and to put him into the abyss. We also have the question of this. What is the place of angels in God's purpose? Why did God make them? What is, what is his plan and purpose for angels? What is his plan and purpose for angels? First, we see that angels show the greatness of God's love and plan for us. See, human beings, not angels, are said to be in God's image. Now, this is a distinction between man and angels. At least the very first one that we see in Scripture, uh, whenever we see that God made man in his image, in his likeness, and they, they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female, he created them. So we see that they are, um, that, that we are the, the prized possession of God, right? Angels are not. Um, we see this in a couple of ways. Uh, the first is in this, that angels already serve us. Angels serve us. Um, we do not serve angels. Uh, angels serve us. They already serve us. Uh, we see that they are, uh, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. We also see um, there's a difference in the fact that they cannot bear children. Um, this is one of the things that Jesus talks about uh, as it relates to the resurrection and marriage. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. We also see that none were saved, nor will they be saved. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. So uh, one, of the, one of the things that we see is that angels serve us. God has created them for that purpose, to serve us as ministering spirits. Uh, we see that uh, one of the ways that we are different is that they cannot bear children. Because if we think about uh, childbearing, um, the purpose for that in many ways is to produce more image bearers. Right? So that's God's plan and design for, uh, in part, uh, reproducing and having children is to create more image bearers. So if angels don't bear his image, no reason for them to bear children. Uh, they are created be beings. Uh, they, do not, uh, they do not reproduce. And then none were saved, nor uh, will they be saved. Uh, we see that again, that they have moral ability, uh, but there's no redemptive possibility for angels. Uh, those that fell, those that disobeyed and chose to uh, rebel against God, there is no possibility for their redemption. They are, uh, they are, they are, uh, they are judged for their, um, for their rebellion without a redeemer. Again, this reminds us that even as we think about the gospel and what Jesus has accomplished, he came as a man to save people. He didn't come as an angel uh, to save angels. He came as a man created in the likeness of man uh, to save people from their sins, to be our substitute. Some things that help us as it relates to angels. Again, we're talking about why God made them. Why did he give us angels or give angels in, in, uh, in the world? A um, couple of things. Angels remind us that the unseen world is real. The unseen world is real. Uh, we see that there are people, even in Jesus's day, the Sadducees, and the modern day skeptics, people in our day even, 
Um, the Sadducees say that there's no resurrection and that there are neither angels nor spirits. The Pharisees believe in these things, though. And then in 2 Kings 6, uh, we remember that there were skeptics even in God's people um, to, to say, you know, how, was, how are we going to win this battle? Uh, and Elisha says that there are, there's an army around us. And they say, well, we can't see it. And he prays, open the eyes of the servant. And so he saw the multitude of the heavenly host there to fight the battle for them. We also see the angels are examples for us. Now, uh, they're examples for us in their obedience and worship. Again, we don't see them. So we're not seeing angels interact with each other or anybody, really. But we do know from Scripture, that's one of the reasons that we've even talked about uh, the authority, the inerrancy, the clarity, uh, the necessity of the Bible, is that it gives us information uh, that is trustworthy and reliable so that we can know uh, reasons why God has done particular things. So they are examples for us in their obedience and in their worship. We see, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in heaven, angels are obeying perfectly. God sends them out as ministering spirits. They go where he tells them to go. Uh, He tells them not to go there. They don't go there. There is an obedience to their ministry on earth. Uh, Isaiah 6, 3, and we've seen this over and over again, and they were calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So they, they give us an example in obedience and in worship, and uh, they do carry out some of God's plans. They carry out some of God's plans. They carry them out as his messengers. We see that in Luke chapter 1. Um, Zechariah asked the angel, so he's talking to the angel. We talked about them having intelligence. How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Many ways, Gabriel is saying almost a how dare you ask me that question. Um, Don't you know who I am? Uh, It's obvious by my appearance that I'm an angel. Uh, Why would you ask me this question doubting whether or not what I said is true? And so Gabriel gives him his, uh, his resume Um, as it were, I stand in the presence of God and God sent me and I obeyed to tell you this good news. I'll see in Acts chapter eight. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So we see uh, that they uh, are messengers. They give two people, at least in scripture we see, uh, where they give two people the messages that God intends for them to receive, uh, that God intends for them to receive. We also see that they do uh, carry out God's judgments. They carry out God's judgments. Um, We see this in 2 Samuel 24. The angel uh, stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem. The Lord relented concerning the disaster and said to the angel who was afflicting the people, enough, withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was then at the threshing floor of Aruna, the, the Jebusite, when David saw the angel who was striking down the people. He said to the Lord, I've sinned. I, the shepherd, have done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall on me and my family. We have also seen this uh, in a couple of other places in the Old Testament. We've seen this really clearly um, repeated over and over in Revelation. Um, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on 
the earth. It is a very uh, repetitive statement that we see in the book of Revelation where God sends the angels and the angels are the ones that speak, the angels that are ones that, that accomplish his judgment, at least in some capacity. They also represent God and fight evil forces. Again, we're reminded as we've talked about guardian angels that this could be a reality even around us right now, um, that there, there, there are uh, angels and demons fighting in some in some way to uh, to try and lure us away or to protect us and keep us in God's path. The man uh, in Zechariah one, then the man standing among the myrtle trees, explained, "They are the ones the Lord has sent to go throughout the earth." They reported to the angel of the Lord who is standing among the myrtle trees. We have gone throughout the earth and found the whole world at rest and in peace. So they are out there um, making sure that things are safe uh, for God's people. Remember that is one of their um, one of their purposes. We also see that in Daniel chapter 10, uh, that, the, that, the, one of, that Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. The king of Persia. We also see that, um, that angels are uh, called to proclaim the, the, that Christ the king in triumph. Proclaim the Christ the king in triumph. First uh, Thessalonians 4:16 The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. You also see in Matthew 16 for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Interestingly enough, uh, angels communicated and proclaimed the arrival of King Jesus uh, in his infancy. We see that as uh, they came to the hillside and to other people, to Mary and to Joseph. Um, and also they will return. They will be the ones that announce in many ways his triumph, what he has accomplished. Uh, we also see that angels directly glorify God. They give him praise directly. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. In Isaiah, we see that they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Angels also get to see um, the great plan of salvation uh, as they see it unfold, as they see it unfold. We just talked about this briefly just now as we talked about how they saw Jesus's entrance into the world. Um, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those, uh, peace uh, to those on whom His favor rests. Uh, and Hebrews one six, we're talking about Jesus here. And again, when God brings His firstborn into the world, He says, "Let all God's angels worship Him." And then uh, fifteen ten, we see this as it re- relates to the plan of redemption when people come to know Jesus. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We also see that they know or they rejoice in God's wise plan for the church. We see this in 1 Peter chapter 1. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that they have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Our relation to angels. Uh, As we think about our relation to angels, we, we recognize that they're a real thing, right? They're real, um, that they are around us, they're unseen, 
They're making moral choices, <clears throat> but what is our relationship to angels to be? We should be aware of them. They join us in worship of God. They watch our obedience or our disobedience. They conduct inspection visits. They protect us. They rejoice in our sanctification. They rejoice as we evangelize and people are saved. Uh, so we, we do relate to them in some way. A couple of verses that help us to see that. Um, Hebrews 13, 2, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, uh, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, this doesn't mean uh, that every person that comes to your door, uh, you welcome them into your home, just hoping that they're an angel, right? Um, I mean, it is possible, but at the same time, there is another, there is another capacity uh, that we've talked about. So we want to be careful uh, with, with that. Um, yeah, we don't need to go into that too much. I think we're on board with that one. Um, and then we also see Daniel um, as it relates to protecting us. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of a lion. What a, what a, can you imagine the scene there? It, the angel shutting the mouth of a lion. Um, I think that would be just a phenomenal experience to be a part of. Uh, I'm sure Daniel's, um, yeah, I'm sure that just steeled Daniel's heart and his faith in that moment. Some cautions regarding our relationship to angels. Now, uh, there is a reality because angels are, um, are not seen, because angels do communicate, um, because angels are intelligent, because they are moral, uh, we must be aware of receiving false doctrine from angels. Um, Galatians 1.8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Let them be under God's curse. Uh, we also see um, this reality that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And then also in uh, 1 Kings 13, um, the old prophet answered, I, am, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel said to me, by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he, the angel, was lying to <clears throat> him. Um, we also see as it relates to our relationship with angels, we are not to worship angels, to pray to them or to seek them. We're not to worship, pray, or seek angels. Um, we see this was a reality in the first century church that they were worshiping angels. Uh, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. And then we also see in Revelation 19, uh, our propensity, whenever there's something that's bigger than us, that's stronger than us, that is uh, overwhelming to us, our natural response seems to be to worship them. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. Any questions that relates to angels? No? Angels is a pretty clear one. I uh, don't know if there's a ton other than what we have there in Scripture that, that people tend to talk about with angels, other than the misconceptions related to what they look like and what, and what they don't look like. Um, I don't know many people that, I mean, I know that there are a lot of people that have prayers to angels, um, prayers about angels, um, maybe putting it on their on their visor, right? So I know that there's a there have been little cards, uh, prayers for my guardian angel or something like that. 
Um, again, we don't want to pray to angels. Asking God for protection is is something that I think he desires for us to, to pray. We can pray knowing that part of their job, angels' jobs, is to protect God's people. Uh, we can thank God for protecting us by angels that we don't see. If there is um, if there's a situation that we are um, a part of, so um, that is a reality for us as well. I will say that there are um, there are places in the world right now where it appears uh, that people are uh, having more dreams and having communication as it relates to uh, Islam and uh, dreams about people coming and seeing them and and, and uh, sharing the gospel with them. Um, so that's that's probably part of this as well. So uh, the next part of this, as we kind of continue on, um, demons and their origin. So we're going to talk about demons for a minute. Um, demons are evil angels. So they are, again, using the same basic definition, created beings, uh, created spiritual beings that have uh, that are uh, intellectual, that have morality. Um, they are evil angels who sinned against God and who now continually work evil in the world. So they are fallen angels. Uh, they work evil in the world. There is no possibility to, for redemption, so they just continue on in evil all the time. We see this in um, the the difference, that the fact that God did make them in the same way that he made all angels. Right? So in the beginning, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So uh, at this point, there's no there's no evil angels. There's no demons at this point in the creation account. But we do know that uh, at some point in uh, in creation or shortly thereafter, uh, when Adam and Eve fell, right before that, uh, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. We also see in Jude 6, the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains, for judgment on the great day, for judgment on the great day. We also see Ezekiel, a rather long passage, but right here he talks about the fact that you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you and you sinned. So he drove him in disgrace from the mountain of God, expelled that guardian and among the fiery stones. So we see this picture of angels being uh, cast out of the presence of God, uh, thrown to earth to be made a spectacle of before kings. We also see uh, that de- demons again. The they are um, there is a rank, uh, a rank and order of demons. Uh, the first, not the first. It's not that wouldn't be a good uh, term. But the head of demons is Satan himself. The word, uh, Hebrew word for Satan means adversary. Uh, we see these passages that identify and give us that name, Satan. Um, we see he is the adversary that is uh, accusing the people of God um, as it relates to their position before God. Um, he is called the devil only in the New Testament. We see this in Matthew's gospel several times. Uh, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We also see uh, that he has got other names uh, along the way. Uh, the serpent. So he was the serpent in the garden. He was more crafty than any of the other wild animals. And he said to the woman, again, we talked about how angels uh, have intellect. They're very, they're very um, they're smart. Uh, and then Revelation 12, the great dragon uh, was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, 
who leads the whole world astray. Uh, And then again, we see the serpent in Revelation chapter 20. We also see Beelzebul, um, where um, some of them said by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he is driving them out. He's talking about Jesus. They're saying that Jesus is somehow um, the prince. He is the, he is the one that is, that is using a, a demonic force to drive out demons. Um, but we also see in Matthew chapter 10, where they talk about um, Beelzebul and in Matthew chapter 12 as well. A couple of more names for him. Uh, the prince or the ruler of this world and the prince of the power of the air. Um, he is the one uh, in which we used to live, all of us. We followed the ways of this world and uh, of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and the sons of disobedience. And then lastly, as it relates to his names, the evil one, um, 1 John 2, 13, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. You've overcome the evil one. Now on to the activity of Satan and um, his demons. Satan and his demons. Satan was the originator of sin. Uh, this Jesus uh, talks to, uh, to them about this. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So he is the fountainhead of sinfulness. We want to think of him in those, in those terms. Uh, we also see that demons oppose and try to destroy every work of God. They try to destroy and oppose every work of God, even attempting to do that uh, to Jesus. They tried to uh, tempt him uh, in the wilderness to disobey and to worship uh, Satan. We see just in the passage we read from John chapter 8 that he was a murderer from the beginning. And again, murder is exact opposite of God's plan for life, right? Uh, taking uh, the, the life of an image bearer. And then also Revelation twelve nine, the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. He was hurled to the earth with his angels with him. Demons are limited by God's control and have limited power. We see this in Job chapter 1 several times actually. Uh, the Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has in your power, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. We see this in again in Job chapter 2. We see this in the New Testament as well, um, that, the, um, that the enemy is limited in power. We see resist the devil and he will flee from you. We also see that we should not think that demons can know the future or they can read our minds or know our thoughts. This is a question that we get sometimes regularly is, does the devil know what I'm thinking? Uh, can the devil read my mind? Uh, does he, is he omniscient? Does he know my thoughts? Uh, is he in my head in some way, shape, or form? Um, and this, again, we have to go back and remember uh, who it is that can know everything. Right? Um, no created being knows everything. So as it relates to uh, demons, as it relates to Satan, um, they, 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 they do not know our thoughts, nor can they read our minds. We see this in, uh, in a few passages in, uh, in the Old and in the New Testament. We also see a contrast 
in the reality that Jesus knew people's thoughts, which again helps us understand again that he is God, right? For him to be able to know the thoughts of the individuals around him um, leads us to the understanding that he is God. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? And then Matthew chapter 12, um, we see that Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, not just imagine that, uh, if you will, for a moment. If you're sitting at dinner with Jesus and you have some food there, you say, man, this is good stuff, Jesus. Say, yeah, I know what you're thinking. And he really does, right? That would be kind of a crazy reality, wouldn't it? To know the person you're with always knew everything that you were thinking. Um, the reality is that God does know that all the time and everywhere. So uh, just because Jesus isn't present with us right now, it doesn't mean that our thoughts are hidden from his, uh, his view. So just a, a reminder for us in that. We also see uh, that God knows people's thoughts. So again, we're making this connection with, uh, with the fact that only God knows everything, um, that God knows every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart, and that it was on evil all the time. This is right before the flood. Um, we also say that there is no indication in Scripture that angels or demons can know our thoughts. Um, what we do see, though, is that demons can observe what goes on. Remember, we said that they're intellectual, right? They have knowledge. They have an ability to, to learn and to, to know things. Uh, they have the ability to observe what goes on in the world and can probably draw conclusions from those observations. So it's ov- uh, oftentimes this is a, a watching game and then temptation that could be similar to something that you've already done, right? It's kind of like... Um, is it's kind of like cookies on your computer, right? So they see what you do, and then they have an algorithm out there somehow that presents another, another opportunity, a marketing opportunity for you as you have in, uh, in your browser. So um, there's a, a good uh, 21st century um, analogy to demons. Not that I'm saying that your computer's a demon. Um, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, so yeah, that's, I didn't say that uh, to be divisive in any ways. So um, our relationship to demons, we should not have them. That's, I mean, that's kind of the point, like, right? So we don't want to interact with them. Um, are they active in the world today? So again, there's the, 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 the reality, the view, uh, like the Sadducee view and, the, and the, the view of the day that says there's no supernatural events at all. Um, so a naturalistic worldview says no, so there's no angels, there's no demons, there's no God. But a, a view that says that supernatural beings exist, that there is something beyond uh, what, we can, what we, can, uh, we can detect with our senses, uh, that yes, they are uh, active in the world. And we also know that not all evil and sin is from Satan and demons, but some is. Now, this is important for us as believers. Um, how many times have you heard somebody said, the devil made me do it? couple of you have heard that. Some of you probably have said it before, right? Um, but this, again, helps us to see that they may, um, they may be involved with, um, with, uh, with influencing people, but it is not something that they make us do, right? Um, whenever we see that there is a reality that sin, um, that some is, but not all evil and sin is from Satan and demons, uh, the emphasis of the New Testament 
is not on blaming demonic activity, but on the choices and actions taken by Christians themselves, telling believers not to sin, but to live lives of righteousness. We see this in 1 Corinthians. We see this all over the epistles. Um, Not often does Paul say, you know, the devil made you do it. Look out for the demon behind the rock. It was the demon in your car. Uh, It was the demon here or there or anywhere. It is rooted within us. Now, there is the reality that we take a, an evil with us everywhere we go. Um, that is our flesh that leads us to, uh, to choose sin. We remember that even from James uh, chapter 1. We see that here in Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Or Ephesians 4.1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have Received, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. So the, so the uh, encouragement and the challenge in the New Testament is not, uh, once we get really into the epistles, um, is not to, uh, to talk to demons, cast out demons. It's to live lives that, that put to death the deeds of the flesh, uh, to live as people that are alive from the dead and not to continue giving ourselves uh, to the ways of the world. But the New Testament authors were definitely aware of the presence of demonic influence in the world. Uh, Not all direct, but there is some degree of demonic influence in nearly all wrongdoing and sin that occurs today. Remember, Satan is the originator of sin, right? He's the originator of evil. And so all evil that we see in some way is traced back to that. Um, So there is a reality that that there is an awareness of the presence of demonic influence. Uh, We would be foolish to assume that no um, no sin or evil or wickedness in the world was not in some way motivated by demonic influence. And we see this in uh, 1 Timothy 4, that there are people who will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. We also see in 2 Timothy uh, that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. This is what uh, they are want- he was wanting to see uh, happen, right? Um, that, that, that they would come to repentance um, because the, the enemy has taken them captive to do his will, to do his will. Jesus gives all believers authority to rebuke demons and command them to leave. We see this in, uh, in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, uh, where Jesus gives this ability. Um, the work of Christ on the cross is the ultimate basis for our authority over demons. Uh, we see this in, um, in a few passages in the New Testament there, that in the cross, in Christ, uh, things that the, the rulers and principalities have disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross, by the cross. The power of God is greater than, uh, than demons, okay? The power of God is greater than demons, Says you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And we see this in in different passages of Scripture. We've talked about it already uh, that the that the angels, even the unnamed angels, um, are more powerful, in fact, than uh, than Satan himself. Right? They're, they're able to bind him and put him into the abyss. Uh, so we see that uh, God's power is greater. Uh, oftentimes. Um, I mentioned this recently that we live in we we presume that we live in a world where there are two equal equally powerful cosmic beings right that there is god and that there is satan and somehow uh, in the way that we think oftentimes we think that they're equal 
in power and that it's a possibility that somehow Satan might win. Uh, there's a possibility that maybe he'll outsmart God or he'll uh, have more, more people on his side or he'll, he'll get enough influence to where God won't be the one that wins and rules. But we see over and over in scripture that because Satan is a created being, he doesn't hold a candle to God's power. Uh, he, can't, he cannot overcome God. So the power that is within us, because we have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, is greater always than the one who is in the world greater always than the one who is in the world. We also see this um, as it relates to what God calls us to as believers in Ephesians 6, putting on the full armor of God uh, so that we may be able to stand our ground uh, in the evil day. And 2 Corinthians 10, 4, uh, we have divine power to demolish strongholds, fighting with weapons that are not weapons of this world. See here, um, information regarding rebuking demon, demons. Um, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So this would be a personal um, personal pursuit of God. If we resist the devil, if we resist his influence, he will flee from us. Um, we see that we are called to resist him, standing firm in the faith, um, because people are undergoing the same trial, the same kind of sufferings in the world. Um, this is a really important one, I think, for us as we talk about sin um, in our own lives as believers. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. I love the, that is, that's, a, that's a great line. Um, but he says, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. This is an, a challenge to believers uh, in such a way that he is saying, do not continue on in the ways of the enemy because Jesus died to undo those ways. So every time we take a step into uh, following the pursuit of evil in whatever capacity it is, we are not actually undoing the work that Jesus did, but we are standing against the work that Jesus did. We are standing in opposition in some way. And so he calls us to be uh, people who live under um, the work that Christ has actually accomplished, to live under that work. We see multiple passages as it relates to um, uh, um, rebuking the enemy, um, that, we, we, um, that one is born of God, God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. Um, but we also see this question, can a Christian be demon-possessed? Uh, no scripture passage suggests that a demon actually possesses someone. Uh, in, the, in, the, um, in the Gospels, uh, the word that is typically used is that they are uh, demonized. So it's much more of an influence on them, not necessarily a possession of them. Uh, scripture recognizes that there can be varying degrees of demonic attack or influence on people, even on Christians. Jesus gives all believers authority to rebuke demons and command them to leave. And we see this in the Gospels that he has given us the authority to do that. Um, we also see that the idea of rebuking and commanding them, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We should expect the gospel to come in power to triumph over the works of the devil. We see, um, see this in Luke. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Messiah. Uh, we see different passages that relates to how the gospel works to transform people and to uh, um, remove from them the influence of, of satanic oppression. 
We hope that this podcast was a blessing to you and that you grew in your knowledge of God. If you liked this podcast, I encourage you to share it with your friends and your family on social media so that others can hear the truth of God's word. Till next time.